All right, guys. Well, welcome, welcome to the webinar today with Elevate Communication. I'm here with Jeremy, who's our uh, communication executive and also a digital storyteller. And we are excited to bring uh, some ideas on creative hacks, content hacks that will get um, your digital content noticed in 2021. Jeremy, welcome. Thank you. Pleasure to be here, and I'm pretty excited to kick off some of these hacks and um, yeah, enlighten everyone as to how they can uh, make the most out of 2021. So we're going to go over the current content landscape. I'm sure there's a lot of questions around what's going on right now with the media and the recent events around Facebook as well. We'll cover some, some key areas and, and things to consider when it comes to engaging with stakeholders. We'll look at some content hacks with some really interesting case studies, and then we'll open it up for some questions at the end of the uh, webinar as well. So let's start off with the current content landscape. And Jeremy, we talked a little bit about you know, it being so confusing right now with the current changes. Let's start off with what, what is your viewpoint with what's happening with Facebook and uh, the, the, the media at this yeah, point? Well, it's, you know, certainly the biggest news in the, in the industry at the moment. Um, we've just had the update yesterday that Facebook is looking to uh, reconsider their current news ban. And it sounds like they're uh, on the brink of an agreement with um, the Australian government in terms of allowing news again. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if that's, uh, you know, what sort of impact that's had on their usership um, so far, just in the last few days. And um, hopefully things can go back to normal um, sooner rather than later, uh, because it's certainly, yeah, certainly impacted things. Yeah, and you know, I think most brands and businesses today are asking, you know, what what can we do? What should we do? And what do we need to focus on? And I think the biggest prediction that we're noticing based on trends is this emergence of other social channels. Mm. Um, you know, everyone's talking about Clubhouse that came from North America. And then you've got obviously TikTok growing its numbers. Um, and, you know, you've got all these other platforms like Medium and Substack that are all little things that are starting to grow in usership. Um, so there, there's, you know, this emergence right now with what's happening and it's really a question of how can a brand adapt to the current changes as well. Um, the other thing as well that we are looking at is preparing for this emergence of these new social channels. Um, but I think with the changes with Facebook and potentially Google as well, brands will be forced to become their own media house. And we'll talk a little bit more about that as well. And I think, you know, right now we used to say that content is king but I think it's, it's safe to say that consistency, connection, and curiosity is the new king of content. So we'll talk a little bit about that as well. So Jeremy, I'm really excited to have you here today to go over some of these uh, case studies as well. Uh, let's, let's look at you know, so an interesting curve and let's talk about Clubhouse because Clubhouse was the solution to a lack of social connection right in the middle of the pandemic. Uh, you could be part of authentic conversations from any, anywhere with no camera. So it, it allowed people to speak freely. And what was interesting is it grew from, you know, 2020 of May up to 6 million users in the last six months. And a lot of this had to do with giving the power to the digital audience. So every person that joins Clubhouse gets invites every week and they get to choose who they want to bring into this particular conversation. And what really started this viral trend was a lot of celebrities got on, on Clubhouse and a lot of people were having everyday conversations with some very famous people. And so this was a timely uh, social connection. But even looking at TikTok, for example, looking at the numbers last year, 
um, you know, the monthly active user count for TikTok is already 689 million people uh, as of July last year. Yeah, and then looking, <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're all guilty at, at scrolling TikTok right now. And then looking at Spotify, uh, most people between the ages of 18 and 24 listened to a podcast for the first time last year. Uh, and, and the time where we found a lot of engagement for these podcasts were 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. So, Jeremy, are you guilty of being <laughs> on any of these little social platforms that yeah. are going? Yeah, pretty big on on uh, on Spotify, obviously, I think most people are. Uh, TikTok, only recently I've sort of uh, become guilty of jumping in and having a bit of a look, but uh, it is extremely addictive. But what I think is quite interesting is that for so long, you know, social media has been synonymous with Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and, you know, LinkedIn, but it's definitely morphing and emerging. And um, I think different brands are going to have to adapt as well. But um, hopefully some of the uh, hacks that we're going to go through today will still be relevant. Um, well, not hopefully, I know that they will be, but I think they'll be very helpful for brands in navigating these new sort of platforms because um, the likes of Clubhouse is brand new. <laughs> and I'm only recently on Clubhouse thanks to um, the invitation from Bosco. Um, but it's if you're not um, prepared to adapt, you're going to get left behind because uh, things are moving so quickly and, and um, as they have done for the last sort of decade. So Yeah, and I think the biggest question that brands commonly ask us is, how do we keep up with all these changes? How do we, how do we put content on another platform? And the key part here is, is you design the content once, but you repurpose it in different layers. So if you're creating a really good piece of creative content, you could repurpose it for an audio file, for a video file, for a micro video file. Um, so really it's not about changing how creative you get, but really how smart you get with distributing that content across the different platforms. And we'll talk a little bit about that as well. So let's get into the nitty gritty essentials to consider when it comes to engaging with stakeholders. And Jeremy, I've got a question for you, but before I ask you that question, you know, there, there's five key essentials to consider when it comes to uh, stakeholder engagement. The first being now more than ever before, we're looking for authentic content. There's so much content out there. People are constantly scroll scrolling through the newsfeed and what gets them interested is seeing something that they can relate to. And then that also means that if you're building your brand, it's important to have that alignment because it's all about multiple touch points. So if you have content in different streams and they all look very different, it's important to have some form of consistency to create that memory off the brand to go, okay, this is a brand that we're familiar with because we've seen the logo, we've seen their brand messaging across different platforms. Now more than ever before, we're looking for sentiment, whether it is happiness, laughter, inspiration, tears, fear, really it's about making content feel something and making your audience feel that, that particular sentiment. Um, Utility-based content is still an important uh, focus when it comes to content. We're looking at the statistics from the pandemic, a lot of how-to videos were watched mm. in the pandemic last year as well, Jeremy. And I remember we were sharing this piece of content about how people are looking to ups, uh, upsell their, their own skill sets to get to know a little bit more about different things. And they had a lot more time on their hands. So how-to videos were a pretty common theme when it came to content last year on top of binge watching Netflix and Amazon and everything else. I think, um, you know, social media or different sort of content, content streams really went from just being a bit of a dopamine hit in between your, your work day or your busy schedule to 
people had so much more time on their hands, so they wanted something that was a bit more useful. So I think that um, utility-based content has really grown to become um, one of the, the, these are all important, but one yeah. of the most important, one of these yeah. essentials. And then also sometimes the content gods are in our favor where they give us amazing content. And we'll, we'll talk about user-generated content. We, we actually leveraged on user-generated content as well. And we'll talk a little bit about that as well, as far as content that is topical, that's existing, that people already recognize and how a brand can sort of jump on that bandwagon as well. But before we move on, Jeremy, my question to you is looking at these five essentials, what do you think is the one essential that most brands struggle with as a storyteller today? Well, I touched on utility base, but I think authenticity is, uh, yeah, for me, it's, it's the most important because we're all uh, experts, I think, um, whether you work in the industry or not, you're all sort of experts in, in terms of uh, consuming the marketing content or advertising content. And we know what um, is authentic and what isn't. And we're pretty, pretty good at um, cluing into what is uh, a bit shallow or fake or hollow. Right. And we immediately disregard that sort of content. So I think striking that um, fine line between entertainment and, and something that's still authentic is, is yeah, the most essential. All right. So the sweet spot for you is authenticity. Yeah. Um, so let's get into some hacks and let's get into some case studies as well. Um, and let's start off with aligning a brand message. And, and what we've done is we've come up with six hacks that we want to share with you. Some are international, some are for our own clients, some are local. Um, and for each of these hacks, we're going to ask you a question. And that question really is something we'd like you to ponder and really reflect on. So when, when it comes to building your own content, the first question is, does it motivate or inspire action? And so this is a great example from Nike. And I think you spent yeah. a lot of time on this case study, but tell us a little bit about your thoughts on this one. Yeah, sure thing. So for those who aren't familiar, um, Colin Kaepernick was a uh, quarterback for an American NFL team, um, 49ers. And he, um, he ended up, uh, so he started to kneel during um, national anthems um, before the games and in protest of, uh, racial inequality and the oppression of uh, black people in America. Um, and he was met with uh, not a lot of support from fans, but also team owners. So he ended up losing his position. Uh, no other teams would take him up um, to, to play him, uh, give him a contract. Um, and so he quickly became this icon um, in terms of African-American rights. And Nike identified this. Um, so in professional sports, uh, especially in the United States, um, so many of the players are African-American. And so he really was an icon for the whole industry, really. Um, they uh, then created this entire advertising and marketing campaign um, to back him when there weren't too many people that really were. Um, but what happened was this aligned with their brand in terms of the um, believing in something, whether that's in yourself and um, being able to, uh, I guess, succeed um, in the face of adversity. Um, and if you haven't seen the ad uh, for this campaign, I, yeah, it gives me uh, goosebumps every single time. It's, I think, a really special ad. And I'm not the biggest Nike fan or even, you know, um, a huge Kaepernick fan, but uh, I still find it pretty moving. And that's what happens sometimes when you can find that alignment between a brand and an icon or, you know, an ambassador. They're pretty hard to come by. Um, but when done, when done properly, um, you really uh, can reap the rewards from it. Yeah, and I think I think the key part here is that Nike was a pioneer, and they were they were sort of able to envision the future. Um, you know, back in the day, 
uh, when a player was kneeling during the national anthem, it was considered almost a sign of disrespect. But now most sporting events in the world um, have this acknowledgement. If you look at the English Premier League in soccer, all games start with all players kneeling before they start off and kick off the game. So the key element here is to really consider what your message is and, and to really consider who are some potential brand ambassadors that you could partner with to inspire that action. Uh, but it really requires you to take some bold action. And that's what Nike and brands like Red Bull do is they pioneer what's coming up, what's mm. an important message to the audience, and then they find a way to align with it. Um, the next one is an internal uh, case study that we wanted to, to showcase. And it's one of our delightful clients, MacForce Australia. They're in the recruiting mining sector. They're, they're a sort of a boutique agency that specializes in place personnel placements. And when they, uh, we had the luxury of actually working with them on their communication strategy. And at the time, it was a brand that was evolving. And uh, so we basically started to create a lot of different collateral material with similar branding, whether it was colors, messaging, taglines, uh, you know, revamping their logo. Um, so, you know, we, we created this really uniform utility of content that had the same look and feel. And we were able to repurpose this content across marketing collateral, communication documents, social media, digital advertising, uh, digital collateral. And so when you're building out content, it's really about making sure that it's easy to understand, it's easy to recognize, and also just a really creative flair to build that brand consistency. Now, one of the amazing things about MacForce is that they've got so many winning milestones in these last few months and we've had the pleasure of seeing so many big clients come on for them you know a lot of content uh, has brought in a lot of candidate placement in the recruiting side of things and there's a lot more coming up in the pipeline but the question that you've got to ask yourself is when was the last time you looked at your content How, when was the last time you updated the content and a lot of brands are so busy focusing on today that they're not thinking about the future or not even thinking about what content already exists on their website. Mm. And we know this going through our own brand transformation last month or in November that our branding brought about so many new leads and so many conversations and every brand goes through a cycle of changing their branding at least once every year or two as well. So Jeremy, working with brand transformation in your side of things. Mm -hmm. What have you noticed that most brands should be doing and what is the one struggle that they have when it comes to brand consistency? Um, <laughs> embarking on a rebrand is a pretty large task, but yeah, as you touched on, huge um, benefits to be had. Um, I think before you do um, look to rebrand, you need a, a checklist um, of all the assets and you need to <laughs> double check that, triple check that um, so many times to make sure that you've captured all of your assets across um, all your digital platforms, digital platforms you don't even necessarily use, but you still own um, all your physical um, elements that you're, you're currently using. Um, it ha really has to be comprehensive um, so that you are ensuring no, you know, there's no confusion because at the end of the day, in our case, there's many companies called Elevate. And if we have, um, elevate new branding uh, across our social media, but maybe um, our Twitter is still in the old branding because we don't, um, we're not so active on Twitter. People might think it's a different company. Like it's, um, it can be pretty damaging. So it's really important to have consistent brand. 
Yeah, and, and so one of the things when we were setting this case study is we wanted to show you uh, the, the brand documents because we designed this where you can see on the right that Mac first, the logo was the old version and now we've, they've got a new logo version as well. So it's about going back to this content and editing it and changing it. And so we've already edited most of these documents to reflect on the new logo. But part of this transformation really is about spending time with your digital assets and nurturing them so that you do have that brand consistency as well. Let's talk about Ikea. You can't really do a content hack without an Ikea case study. And this is about leveraging topical content that's trending. Um, and, uh, you know, Bernie Sanders, uh, became a meme overnight, an instant uh, inspiration overnight. But Jeremy, yeah. tell us a little bit about this one. Yeah, sure thing. Well, yes, you know, at the, at the crux of this is user-generated content, which has become so valuable um, in recent years. And um, I'm sure <laughs> most people have probably seen, if not the specific Bernie Sanders meme, they've seen others. And a lot of them were tied up with different brands, but IKEA did a fantastic job of identifying this. I believe this was a case where uh, someone created a meme using IKEA branding and IKEA reshared this across their own socials. And um, look, it's it's pretty simple, but not only is it um, showing the personality of the brand, it's also engaging um, not just that specific user, but other users um, who have already seen that content and they realize that um, I guess there are people behind, a, behind the brand. You know, it's not just a, a whole lot of corporation. There's a marketing team, there's real people with a sense of humor. Um, it's, it's such a good way to engage uh, your immediate audience and then uh, a bit of a wider audience as well. Yeah, and it's a bit cheeky as well, if you yeah. think about it. And, and so this, this meme really came from the inauguration and, uh, you know, Biden happened to be sitting down and this photo became an, a worldwide trend um, and it ended up, be, you know, becoming a storm on Twitter. And then you start to see different brands start to capitalize on this image, whether you're for Biden or you're not for Biden, didn't Bernie. really matter, or Bernie, sorry, um, as well. Uh, Bernie happened to, to be in this, in this viral trend and brands just capitalized on it. So is it a relevant trend that you can, that you can see your brand moving forward? Um, we're still in the age of utility. And as mentioned before, a lot of brands are still paying attention to the how-to content. Users are still learning um, and, and self-learning a lot of content and, and consuming a lot of content to improve their skill sets. So this is another client of ours, Aqua Gardening, that uh, really focuses on uh, inspiring people to become their best version of an everyday gardener. And so one of the things that Aqua Gardening has done in the last few months is we've worked with them to really come up with um, eBooks that are instructional, that give people an overview guide based on their beginner status, the intermediate status, or the advanced level uh, gardeners on hydroponics and aquaponics, and just you know, a beginner guide to become an everyday gardener. And so we started to look at how can we get the content to be used? Can it be used by your audience? And how do we communicate with them to get that utility going? And so every month, Aqua Gardening focuses on a theme and focuses on an ebook. And we've had the pleasure of working with them and their team to get this copywriting together. And these ebooks are anywhere from 15 to 20 pages, depending on the level of skill set required, with instructions and content that you need to consider um, in this particular process. Now, the amazing part about this is that it's changed the community of email database subscribers because now they're getting value-based content. So it's not just a sales pitch. It's not just about a newsletter about the products. It's really about creating that value in that community and creating that community feeling. So if you're in the food industry, could you be creating an ebook full of recipes? 
if you're in the home design industry, could you be having tips on home design that could be an ebook? It's really asking yourself, how does your audience consume content and how can they take that content and refer to your brand when it comes to inspiration and ideas? The key part here is starting with value. And if you can focus on the value, the sales process is a subtle conversation that just happens organically. Um, and we've seen some tremendous digital results from this particular campaign as well. So let's talk a little bit about triggering an emotion. And, uh, and this is one of our other beloved clients, Jeremy. Yeah, Sunny Queen. So um, not that different actually uh, in terms of it, it shares a bit of the utility-based resources, this particular campaign um, in that um, Sunny Queen uh, shared a series of um, recipes for different uh, different dishes, but the way that those recipes were shared was quite unique. So earlier this year, um, we uh, worked with Sunny Queen to come up with either this media campaign where um, obviously everybody is, <laughs> um, if not in lockdown, they're at least uh, bound to their own countries, pretty hard to travel internationally at this point in time. and tied it up with Valentine's Day and the idea that um, you could take your, your loved one or your significant other on a bit of a trip around the world and um, in a series of romantic dishes. So um, I think each of these dishes were tied up with different romantic cities such as Venice and I think Aspen and uh, you know beautiful romance cities around the world. Um, and it was a really successful campaign securing I think 11 pieces of uh, media coverage and reaching uh, over 11 million people um, so the reason that this resonated so deeply, firstly with journalists as well as a wider audience, is that it did focus in on two uh, sentiments that were being felt by lots of people around the world. One, you know, uh, many people have a significant other that they love and they want to treat um, in, a, in a special way. Obviously, you can't travel overseas um, to treat your your Valentine in 2021. So um, that was also something being felt by people was the missing, you know, the opportunity to travel internationally. And um, if you're able to tap into those sort of sentiments that are current, um, as well as just being felt by a wide range of people, um, I think your content is definitely going to end up uh, resonating. Uh, so it's, it's a really good uh, hack, I guess, to uh, create a, a content campaign around. Yeah, and I think what really stood out for me reviewing this this hack was the fact that it combined the creative outlet of creating that trigger, that emotion of anticipation for travel, as well as you know that that sentiment of love, but more importantly with a seasonality to it. So this was all around the Valentine's Day side of things, and so having a calendar of dates you know can also help you leverage your content based on a theme. So Valentine and love just connected together really yep. well as well. And uh, so I think, you know, having creative ideas flowing and brainstorming, which is a common question that we get as well uh, when it comes to brainstorming is bringing people together, whether it's within your team, whether it's working with your agencies or working with your partners and really having that collaborative brainstorm is so important and key to design your content. And most marketing departments are, are struggling with time so that they, they really put brainstorming as, you know, sort of a nice to have, but in this day and age, brainstorming is so important and mm. it's probably pivotal to the start of any campaign, but we'll talk a little bit about brainstorming shortly as well. Um, 
the other the other thing that we also wanted to cover here while we're on the riding the food the side of things is riding is is riding the the wave and you know does it spark a conversation so so Weedabix and Heinz had come together and had put a tweet that was very cheeky that said you know why should bread have all the fun when there's Weedabix serving up Heinz UK beans on Bix for breakfast with a twist and what this did was it created this entire conversation on Twitter from all the brands. You know, we had Papa John's going from the brands that brought us beans on pizza. Yes, it's garlic sauce. You know, Nando's took a to, to, took a cheeky shot at uh, Heinz and, and Weedabix and said, you okay, hon? DMs, DMs are open if you need to talk. And, uh, you know, a police station on Twitter had, had put a tweet that said, you know, even though this is criminal, don't call us uh, to report this crime. And you had KFC chime in and Toblerone saying, we're from Switzerland, so we're staying out of this. And it really created this online conversation. And so when, when brands collaborate and when they utilize their digital assets, it can create this viral buzz organically. Um, so, you know, ask yourself, who are some of the partners that you are linked with? You know, do they have a digital following just as strong as yours? Can you collaborate on something? Can you do something that's creative where you both leverage your digital outlets? Now, the key part about uh, this particular viral case study was that all of the major food chains are connected to each other and they follow each other. So this isn't the first time we've seen food brands get on board and hop onto the conversation, mm -hmm. but it's interesting watching the engagement because every one of these tweets ended up getting retweeted and shared and commented on. And so there was this massive influx of, of conversation going on uh, through this entire viral, viral uh, spread as well. And I think you noticed this as well when we were looking at this campaign. Yeah. Engagement was amazing. Yeah, absolutely. I think the key thing to note here is that each of these brands, obviously Weedabix started this whole uh, buzz of uh, horrific <laughs> content being shared. The horrific, when I say, like disgusting. Uh, to eat, but I mean, great quality in terms of um, good humor, but all the other brands were, you know, on their toes, very, very reactive to start this conversation that gives them an opportunity to really highlight their own uh, brand personality. Um, but the key thing here is that they, they rode the wave, I guess. They jumped on top of this um, trending topic right at the right time and uh, were able to capitalize and um, reap the rewards. So let's talk about some content fails. <laughs> um, and I was gonna ask you, Jeremy, could your content backfire? But before I start that, the most important question is, what is a Karen? Okay, so in this case, um, I'm sure many people are familiar with uh, Karens. They're typically um, a middle-aged lady who uh, loves to speak to the manager. Um, they are typically uh, quite entitled. This is just sort of a, a bit of a, a, a meme that's turned into a, a weird stereotype that obviously if you're called Karen, you don't necessarily have any of these characteristics, but um, Karen's copped a lot of flack uh, around about this time last year, especially with COVID's really firing up in various countries. Um, I think a few videos went viral with of Karen's not wanting to wear masks in stores. Um, <laughs> Again, so, you know, it's, it's, it's a bizarre stereotype, but basically Domino's New Zealand um, came up with the idea to have this campaign calling all nice Karens. Um, who knows how much they sunk into uh, the marketing behind this campaign. I thought it was a great idea. It's, it's very topical, very funny. Um, they went ahead and offered free pizzas to anyone called Karen. Um, they were able to redeem a free pizza. 
and they didn't foresee um, the backlash that they would were ended up um, met with. Sorry, ended up being met with. Um, so the key criticism here was that there's a bit of an association of Karens with sort of middle class, upper middle class, um, sort of uh, entitled women, um, and the criticism was that why are these people being offered pizzas when there's so many other people in need, whether it be frontline workers or even those uh, who are unemployed or um, uh, homeless, uh, why are they not being offered these free pizzas? Why is it the Karens? And so um, there was mass backlash and uh, Donuts had to drop the campaign. And I think people saw through coming back to, you know, that essential of being authentic. Um, they saw that this was not very authentic. They're clearly just trying to jump on a bandwagon here and, um, they pay the price for it. So make sure that whichever hack you choose to go with, it needs to be the right fit. So review those essentials and make sure that um, you've thought about your campaign from every angle because there's always gonna be someone uh, with a, a different take that could uh, <laughs> um, sink your ship, unfortunately. So yeah, it's be about, careful. It's about tailored messaging and it's about knowing your audience as well and being prepared to ask that question. Can your content backfire and are you prepared for it as well? So, you know, I think in the history of my, my career, I've always been asked, you know, how do you, how do you become viral? And I always give this answer, which is don't plan to be viral, plan to be awesome. And that in turn will make your content engage better. So when it comes to creating great content hacks, the three tips we can give you is let your content be call to action based inviting people to take action, whether it's a digital call to action or even an in-person call to action. That call to action doesn't have to be by your product or yeah. by your service. Um, there's all sorts of different yeah. um, calls to action you can include, such as, you know, aqua gardening um, and trying to encourage people to actually use products um, that they maybe already own. Yeah. And then create the interest because at the end of the day, there's so much content out there. So it's really going back to the drawing board and seeing what creates that engagement but more importantly, collaborating on innovation, I, you know, allows you to design creativity as well. And many brands struggle with this because they just can't make the time. The most you know, common question we get is, how can I get creative ideas flowing if I'm stuck for ideas? Collaborate with people, bring people together, look at what's out there, get inspiration, talk to people, share your ideas, and that collaboration will, will lead to beautiful things. So we wanted to leave you with a few questions to set you up for success. And Jeremy, I'm gonna ask you that same question, which is what is the most important question here? But this is a reflection that we'd like all our audiences to listen to and, and sort of dig in deeply and see which ones really resonates uh, with them. And we'd be happy for you to contact us and reach out to us to, to tell us about your ideas as well, or you know, tell us where you're struggling. But the questions are, are you playing it safe? Is there room for more innovation in your group? Do you collaborate on ideas enough? Can you plan for the future? Or are you constantly just focusing on what's ahead of you right now? Or can there be more resources allocated to your ideas? Now, Jeremy, looking at these questions, what do you feel is the most important question that everyone should be asking themselves today? Uh, well, I'm gonna break, break the rules and go with two. I think okay. the number one is, are you playing it safe? I think so many brands get caught up with uh, maintaining their image without realizing that there's an opportunity to build uh, your brand personality because personalities resonate with people so much more than, than just a corporation. Uh, and the second one for me is, do you collaborate on ideas enough? Because I guarantee every single one of these campaigns, including the ones that we've <laughs> worked on internally, they started with 
collaboration, whether that be a conversation between two people or a wider group, no one can come up with these ideas on their own without bouncing the crappy ideas up with each other first before they can come to that one golden idea. Right. Um, so you have to collaborate and work with um, your team members and, and other people around you as well. So with that, uh, we'll, we'll take some qu quick questions. We already have one question here. Maybe we can dig a little deeper. Feel free to type in some more questions in the chat. Uh, we really appreciate you joining us live for this, for this webinar. And we'll be also sharing this as well on our YouTube channels and our emails as well, as far as the slide deck, as well as the video. Uh, but we've got a question here from uh, the lovely Michaela saying, hey guys, I would love to know some tips and tricks on brainstorming. <laughs> How can I get creative ideas flowing if I'm stuck for ideas? I tend to look at the industry. I tend to look at doing some digital research, but more importantly, I always ask myself, what is the problem I'm trying to solve? Like, you know, what are some of the common challenges that people are looking for? If you're writing an ebook on recipes, you know, what do you struggle with? Are you one of those people that just needs some quick recipes? If you think about Jamie Oliver, the reason why his books really took off recently where there were five ingredients for quick meals and, and it really, targeted people uh, that were pressed for time. So tailored messaging is really important. So the best idea or the best tip I can give you, Michaela, is start with the problem and the solution. Jeremy, what's your tip? A uh, bit of a different approach for me or slightly different yeah, approach, I guess. Um, so the, I guess we've all had those brainstorms where everybody just sort of like, uh, and you know, <laughs> no one's actually saying anything. Everybody sort of hit a wall. I think uh, you got to get creative um, juices flowing. So one of the ways I like to do that is pick a random object in the room that could be a water bottle, could be a poster, could be a microphone, um, something like that, where um, you can then start to jot down all the characteristics that you can observe and all the words that you think are associated with that object. And then you start to use those words to then come up with ideas to solve your issues. And it just gives you um, maybe you know, 50 starting places to come up with creative ideas rather than just thinking, trying to go from a blank page to an amazing idea. It's really difficult. So yeah, um, I think, yeah, that's one of my, my tips. Yeah, we've got another question here. Uh, do you have any tips on balancing creativity with being realistic? I get so swept up in coming up with massive ideas and then it's not as realistic as we'd like. I think for, for me, I would say it's really about creating this realm where you can join your creativity and realism. And so it starts off with what's the idea that works with your current resources. It's always going back to what can you do with your current resources and, and your allocated time and budget as well. So it's a really good question if you're on, on your own and you're trying to figure things out. While it's really inspiring to get caught up by amazing big brands, the reality check is what can we do with our current resources? Mm -hmm. and, and sometimes it might mean partnering up with other brands. Sometimes it might mean that you have a short-term goal and a mm -hmm. long-term goal. Working with Aqua Gardening, their simple idea was we want to be the go-to brand for everything to do mm -hmm. with Aqua Gardening, but it started with one key step and that was creating this community of support. Mm -hmm. So sometimes you might have a grand vision and it's okay to be creative, Michaela, but more importantly, how does that start with that first big step? Yeah, I think I'd encourage you to go big first, but also just, I think, what would um, stop you from having that issue is when you do get that big idea, don't get too invested in it and try force yourself to come up with three or four or five other ideas. Um, so you've got a range of ideas. They might be 
pretty crazy, but you can always pair them back. And that way you're not too invested in one idea. You get, you know, 80% of the way down that idea before you realize, oh, this is not achievable because uh, that's uh, it's not a place you want to be. Yeah, now we've got another question here. How should content calendars and branding be reassessed? How often and, and how much time a week should be spent on content planning and create, creating content? Planning content is key. It's part of what every marketing team does, but you also have to allow room for new content, mm. new events, new updates as well. So what we like to do is we like to plan our campaigns for, for the next two or three months for themes. We try to prep it in advance, whether if it's a fortnightly calendar or a monthly calendar. But the key part is allow room for check-ins, allow room for updates, allow room, even if it's an hour or a week, to look at what's happening in the world. You know, sometimes these trends are so timely, but they also have a shorter lifespan. Mm. So having room for adaptability is really key as well. Got another question here. How do you find the balance between a professional corporate brand identity and creativity? It's a bit of a tough one, but I think coming back to that Nike uh, example, it's not, um, Nike is able to be maybe a bit more uh, creative than a healthcare brand, but um, the key thing to take out of that one is it's not an, it wasn't an extravagant um, insight um, or alignment between those two brands. It was quite genuine, wholesome. Um, in that particular case, it was political, and obviously that's it's unique to that case study. But I think um, there's other ways of being creative. It doesn't just have to be goofy or funny or anything like that. It can also be um, an interesting connection between two different things that people hadn't maybe realized before. And that might be something that's, like yeah. I said, very wholesome, um, and, and creative in, in a different way. So I think that creative balance also comes down to what are you passionate about? What are your values and your purpose? You know, I see a lot of corporate brands that uh, are aligned to a common purpose or a common mm -hmm. passion with MacForce. They're all about creating second chances. So they do a lot of outreach uh, with, with prisoner reform. And it's, it's a message that's really passionate and ingrained even with the founder, Anthony, as well. So one of his key missions is rebuilding Australia. Mm. So it's not just about recruiting people. It's about creating the second chances for people as well that deserve that. So I think it's really going back to the values and the purpose. If you can do that, you end up having more to work with. So it's really about really just knowing what your brand messaging is. Yeah, you need to have that identity before you can sort of elaborate on it. Um, a good example as well as another one of our clients, Q Super. Um, obviously they are a very corporate uh, brand identity. They have a very corporate brand identity, yet um, they have a series of different partnerships that if you ask the average person, they probably wouldn't have guessed that they'd have those partnerships that they didn't already know. Um, but they are creative in themselves because there are unique ways that QSuper relates to um, their members, whether it is um, uh, women's finance or whether it's um, Juice TV. Leadership, and, thought leadership as well. Yeah, so there's, there's different ways you can be creative in, in different ways. You don't just have to be, um, you know, putting out zingers on Twitter and, you know, jumping on the Bernie Sanders meme and different things like that. Um, yeah, but you need that identity. And, and you also have to remember that we're people talking to other people. You might be a corporate entity, a business entity, but the best advice we have to give you is you're dealing with people. Yeah. So going back to the basics sometimes is really key. Uh, that's all we have for you today. We hope you really enjoyed uh, the case studies. We do these webinars every month. Uh, we are also on LinkedIn, so please feel free to connect with us digitally. We have our contact information on the slides as well. But connect with us. Tell us about your ideas. Tell us about your struggles. You know, go back to those questions that we asked you as well. If you're struggling with any of those questions, we'd love to offer some insights.
thank you so much for your time today. Thank you, Jeremy, for being here. Thanks, and, Bosco, uh, and we look forward to seeing you in the next webinar. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, guys.